0: Company presents Sports Talk 790 AstroLine. AstroLine. The official off-season show of Astros baseball. Astros, Astros. This is where we talk about your Astros. Join the show, post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag AstroLine. That ball is gone. Go Astros. See you later. Live from Pluckers Wing Bar on Shepherd. Sports Talk 790 Astro Line starts now. How
1: about Florida? We're here, finally. We're about to see some spring training baseball 2019 spring training in West Palm Beach for the Houston Astros. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve Sparks, and I'm alongside our co-host today, Lauren Blackwell, who's the host of the Ballpark Entertainment at the Ballpark, and you've been here Lauren for about nine or ten days, what's your impression so far of the ball club?
2: You know, I think the guys, from what I've gotten to, to see and hear from the guys, there's just this vibe this year, and, you know, maybe you've seen it too, that everyone's just ready. They're relaxed, they're ready to go, they're really happy and great moods, and uh, it's just been a really fun ten days getting to see everyone back together and, and, you know, play together again after a few months off.
1: You know, it's fun to watch this team as much as they get along and how much fun they have, but they don't lack in confidence. And I think it's those types of teams that go out there and there's not a whole lot of doubt in the back of their minds they can go out there be free and easy because they know they're good. Mm-hmm. And we expect them to be good, but, you know, those expectations, none higher than, the, than what they said in the clubhouse.
2: Well, we've seen that the last two years. These guys are never out of a game. Blummer uses the, use, uses the word resilient all the time when mm. he talks about these guys. They're confident. They're ready to go. It, and like you said, they know they're good.
1: Well, we got a good catcher with us today. And, and our guest tonight on National Line is one of my favorites it's max stassi so max uh you can tell us what we've been observing uh, a little bit more freely but thanks a lot for joining us today on national line
3: yeah thanks for having me you know it's been a uh it's been a fun spring so far you know guys are back getting after it you know throwing bullpens full board live bps uh you know we had a little base running the other day too cranking that up so uh, these guys are itching for the games, but, I mean, like you said, you know, this team doesn't
1: lack confidence, and we're excited for this season. Hey, do you remember Bregman that showed up on the caravan, not this winter, but two winters ago? I think we were at Shriners Hospital. You and I were there, and oh, Bregman yeah. walks in. Do you remember the, the declaration that he was, he was coming out there with, and, and you and I kind of looked at each other. Is he really saying this? But he was like talking like, you know what, I'm going to hit 30 bombs this year. You know, and he said, "I figured out something in the cage." You remember all this?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that.
1: Isn't it hilarious that he backs that stuff up?
3: For sure. Yeah, I love the guy. You know, he's uh, he's an unbelievable player, unbelievable teammate. Uh, he works his tail off every single day. And, and uh there's another story. We were in Arlington too, and he was talking about how he's going to be in the MVP race in June. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> he turns up in the MVP race. I mean, it's the guy's unbelievable. You know, there's nothing that he can't do that. You know, he puts his mind to something, and he's going to achieve it.
1: Lauren, what's the thing that you see when guys are going out there? Uh, you've been here since before even the position players got here. What are you seeing that the pitchers and the catchers and how well they vibe and get together and, and kind of go back and forth and, and get on the same page?
2: You know, I think we see it all the time. Every game, every time these guys are around each other, they just click. And Max, I mean, chime in if, if it's any different, but all of you guys just click and you know each other so well um, I mean it goes along with that confidence too they're confident in, in each other and Max you know how good the pitching staff is they know how good you are behind the plate so I, yeah it's just that vibe and that confidence as well with just the pitchers and catchers I mean they're, they're for so sure. good
3: absolutely yeah I mean just being uh, being teammates with a lot of these guys for so long you know you like Carlos Correa I've known him since he got drafted Bregman uh, Springer I live with Springer in spring training in 2013 so, you know, you go way back with a lot of these guys, and there's there's a comfort level that you have, you know, each and every time, you know, you come back from an offseason. You know, there's not too many new faces, but it seems like all the new faces, these guys just really fit in, and, and uh, they just
1: they, they feel like they've been there for years. How hard is it for a young catcher to garner the confidence from a guy like a Justin Verlander, somebody I that's been in the league a long time?
3: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's hard, it's just... It takes a little while to get used to. You know, you, uh, you, know, you come up from AAA, and, and uh, obviously the big leagues is a totally different ballgame. So, you know, you just have to get used to all the information and, and do your homework and, you know, learn from, you know, your failures and successes and, and just keep advancing from there. But, I mean, the staff I have, they're, they're amazing guys. Uh, they care so much. They do their homework. They're ultra prepared. They, there's a reason why they're, you know, the, the best staff in baseball.
2: And Max, you, you know, your pitch framing is, is elite in the league. You know, everyone seems to talk about that when they mention your name, but you study a lot of other guys. You spend a lot of time studying videos, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I spend uh, probably too much time. <laughs> <laughs> what, so,
2: do you, what do you look for when you're studying, you know, other catchers in, in their game?
3: Uh, I just look at kind of the targets that, that they present. You know, there's there's always like a few common denominators, I feel like, that the, the good receivers. Uh, have and uh, you know you just want to give the umpire a good look. That's what it all comes down to, and and uh, I feel that I've, I've still make a few changes to to make it even better. But uh, I feel like that it's not moving the ball as much as people talk about, but just giving the umpire a good solid
1: look. It used to always drive me crazy to see catchers catch up. A- A low pitch.
3: Look who we got over there, Chris Davinsky. (laughs) Chris Davinsky
1: and Dean Dietz. Dean Dietz. Man, that is some handsome gentlemen walking down the the streets of West Palm Beach right now. But I want to ask you about the low pitch because that's what I noticed with you more than anything last spring was the way you were getting strikes for your pitchers on on low strikes. And what what I mean by that is you were able to hold it there much more easily than you had in the past, I thought.
3: Yeah, it's being in a leveraged position. A lot of Tell me the what framing that stuff. So I would say it's the glove below the elbow. That's a big thing is okay. is you have to be in a leveraged position to be able to be strong. It's weaker but stronger. So you're able to absorb the forces and keep the ball there versus some of the guys they have the glove too high and then they chase it down and push it out of the zone. Right. And like I said, I'm not trying to, you know, steal strikes or whatever from the umpire. I'm just trying to give them a good solid look and and that's the way that uh, I'm able to do it. I feel like, and and I kind of pick that up just watching the other catchers around the game that are
1: that are really good at receiving. When you look back at, at catchers like a Johnny Bench or a Gary Carter, were they good at it? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say so. I it, it's changed a lot. I
3: mean, it's back then, a lot. Yep. They're, they're they're catching with two hands. Um, I mean, they're in like a half squat.
1: Uh, Johnny Bench was a one-hander, though. He was one of the first one-handers. That's right, time. that's yeah.
3: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was different. I've, I've looked at a few videos of the, of the, uh, the older generation, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed a lot, I'd say, in the past 10 years or so.
2: We've got some questions coming in on Twitter. If people are following along, you can use the hashtag AstroLine. We'll have some questions for Max. Uh, some people are asking, how does Correa look? Have you worked with him a lot in the last couple of days, and, and how's he feeling?
3: Yeah, I saw his BP today, and it looked unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, the guy's, <laughs> he's at full strength, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people didn't know, I mean, until it came out was, you know, his back was bugging him for a while. Yep. And for him to sacrifice his body for this team, along with a lot of other guys, you know, Tuve, you know, a couple of days, or the day after, you know, he get, he goes on the operating table, and, and. uh you know, these guys are sacrificing their bodies for this team. But he looks really good, fielding ground balls. His arm strength is as is, is good as ever. Um, he's healthy. We're excited for him. He's another guy that wouldn't shock me if he's in the MVP race. You know, With he's, Correa? He's a, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's
1: it's, it's incredible, you know, these, these guys we have. Well, you guys start things up very quickly. 2019 Astros spring training kicks off this weekend. On Saturday, come catch your Astros in action at the Fit Team Ballpark. Of the Palm Beaches. For tickets and more information, visit astros.com slash spring training. Brady Rogers gets the ball in the first game of the uh, uh, spring training this year. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, working so hard coming back from Tommy John surgery. But from what I'm hearing from everybody, man, look out. Brady Rogers may make some noise this year. Absolutely. You know, Brady's always had a good, uh,
3: good steady four-pitch mix. You know, he's got the fastball, curveball, slider change. I've caught him for few years down there in triple a and and uh couldn't be happier for him you know a lot of people don't realize when you get put on the shelf for that amount of time it's it's kind of a lonely road i mean you're down here by yourself you're doing your rehab um you know you're doing hey a hundred you know wrist curls each way and and, uh that's your treatment for the day so you know our training staff is probably the best in baseball and and uh they had him on a good program and and uh, he's healthy ready to go this year so i know he pitched a
1: little bit last year but Coming back, is it's it's a little different than having a fresh start for, yeah. a, for a season. Because he can work out the, a full offseason to, to gain as much strength as he can to get ready for the season for the first time in two years, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's huge. And, you know, just to be able to give his arm that, that recovery time after doing so much rehab yeah. and, and uh, he'll be ready to go.
1: What percentage of the time do you think you're 100% healthy during <laughs> the course of a season?
3: Yeah. Uh, Shoot, we started on the 14th, so I would say the 13th I'm at 100. percent The 14th I go to about 92, and it and works then, its it, way down from we, there. Yeah, there. I mean, you have you have good days, you have you bad days. Uh, like today, I woke up and it took me a little while to get out of bed. You know, uh-huh. it's, it, that's just how it is in spring training. I mean, these days are so long; we get so much good work in, and uh, it's just part of it. You know, you gotta you gotta climb that mountain, and once yep. you get to the top, you your legs start getting underneath you and you know you're getting used to your spikes and your your calves aren't extremely tight as as they once were a few days ago but it's uh it's been good it's been good I mean it's part of being a catcher you never feel good right
2: how do you ease back into these more rigorous practices I mean when you're taking a couple months off you're still working out a little bit during the off season but how do you really ease your body back into these workouts
3: Oh, I would say I spend a lot of time, like, stretching and rolling out. I do a lot of, like, rolling out stuff, the hot tub, uh, just keeping your body loose, trying to do whatever you can to, to you know, gain that mobility, flexibility to, to last the full season because it always seems like, you know, right before you get hurt, something usually gets a little bit tight, not necessarily in that that area, but, uh, you know, it's, it's like a chain of events, you know, if you're tight, let's say, in your ankles, it could translate to your hip and then go up to your obliques, so... Just try to, like, keep your whole body loose and, and uh, feel as good as you can. But
1: like I said, I mean, feeling good's overrated. It is. I mean, sometimes just being in touch with your body and knowing what's kind of achy keeps you from trying to do too much. Do you yeah, agree with that?
3: Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's a long season, uh, especially last year being my first full, full year up there. Uh, you really realize how long it is, so. You know, all the reps now are good. You know, your your volume's up there. But once you get closer, like, to the season and once the season hits, you,
1: you kind of have that routine that, that gets you right, and then you get in, get out, and go out there be ready to compete. Listening to Astraline, Steve Sparks here with Lauren Blackwell, and our guest is Max Stassi. want to ask you about somebody, Brian McCann. And I imagine you could probably talk about him for a long time, but uh, what did he mean to you? Oh, uh, he's uh, he's the best. I mean, he's... He's uh,
3: he's number one on my list. I mean, he's he's incredible. He's just a special human.
1: Um, he didn't mount- put himself above you, right? What's I mean, that? He, he didn't put himself above you. I mean, he didn't talk down to you. I, I, I would imagine he was the type of guy that got down on your level and just became good friends, and there was trust built. Yeah, absolutely.
3: You know, he was, he was my biggest fan. That's the thing. After every game, hey, good job. Hey, you did this well. Even when, when I didn't do things well, he would – he would approach me and, and talk to me about it, but it was all in the right way. It was never like, why did you do this and that? It was like, hey, this is what I learned, you know, when I was coming up. Or, you know, Chipper told me this. Or Frank Cord told me this. Or, you know, when I was working with Tim Hudson, this, this was working. This wasn't working. So he just gave me so much knowledge that I felt like I advanced so much in one year that I felt like
1: I'd been around a lot longer. All right, we're listening to Ashley. Line. We're downtown West Palm Beach. At Duffy's Sports Grill, you're listening to AstroLine presented by Carbock Brewing Company. We'll be right back with Max Stassi on the Houston Astros Radio Network.
4: The offseason is here, and that means it's the perfect time for talking baseball over a great beer.
0: Conversations with agents, with players, and other teams.
4: So pop open a Love Street Blonde or Hopadillo IPA and discuss all of the hot stove wheeling and dealing.
0: AstroLine.
1: AstroLine presented by Carbock Brewing Company. That's certainly what we want to hear.
4: And if you're looking for a great place for a cold one, Head on over to Carbach Brewing where we're open 7 days a week for lunch, dinner, and of course some great brews. So crack
5: one open, but cold locally brewed
4: Carbach. Carbach Brewing, proud supporter of the Houston Astros.
5: With plenty of player interaction and warm weather, spring training is something every baseball fan needs to experience. So see the leaders! Get to West Palm Beach and see your Houston Astros in action at the 15 ballpark of the Palm Beaches. While you're here, don't miss our 20 craft breweries and 47 miles of beautiful beaches. Start planning your trip at the for the best way to experience Florida.
1: Max Stassi doubled and scored in the second inning. First pitch from Anderson, and he spanks it and it's down the left field line. A base hit, and that's gonna go all the way to the corner. Reddick racing for third base. He's going to be sent home. Here's the throw in, and it's not in time. Redick dives in safely. Max Stassi with his second double of the ball game makes it a 6 to nothing score. And I tell you what, you get one past Matt Chapman, you're doing something. That was hit so hard that even on the dive, Chapman couldn't reach it. And going back to Northern California, Max Tassy likes to play in his backyard a little bit too in Oakland, don't you?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's always uh, it's always good going back home, and you know the team that drafted me. You always kind of have a little uh, extra edge there, so it's uh, it's fun. I think I could hear my family cheering in the background there, all <laughs> too. So <laughs> there's only six Astros
1: fans there, and that, all of them were your family. Oh yeah,
3: absolutely.
1: Well, you're listening to Astro Line. We're in West Palm Beach. We're at Duffy Sports Grill, and Lauren how? can the fans go and get season tickets this year?
2: There's lots of ways. You can check them out online, astros.com, or call 877-9-ASTROS. Tickets are on sale. So if you want the best seats in the house and some uh, exclusive benefits, make sure you reach out to one of our account execs or uh, head to astros.com.
1: Of course, that's the Astros host of Ballpark Entertainment and uh, content manager. And, And, Lauren, you wanted to ask Max something about something that transpired over the off season in northern california we're yeah. talking about where max is from uh, uh but it was devastating
2: yeah we you know we watched along with the rest of the country all the wildfires that swept through uh, California in november and december and you know yuba city of course where you're from and which is very close to paradise right
3: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. about par- paradise about an hour north of yuba city where i grew up
2: okay well they got hit really really hard so while you were home you did some stuff to help them out what did you do while you were back home during the off season
3: yeah, so actually, I was—I think I was in Houston at the time. Yeah, I was—I was in Hawaii for a wedding right before that. Then I flew out to Houston for a week, and and uh, the fires were going on, and I heard about everything that was happening, and you know, the people from my hometown that they were going up there helping people out. They were they were cooking food, they were uh, just doing anything they could to to help those out in need, and and uh, I felt like you know with my platform and you know being in baseball that. We could uh, rally around, you know, that city and help them out as much as we could. And, and uh, we raised some money and, and donated to Northern Valley uh, Community Foundation. Um, it's uh, the main, kind of the main foundation there. There's all kinds of foundations. But uh, we raised some money and, you know, guys donated some gear and stuff. And, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a pretty good hit. You know, we, uh, we took care of their, their baseball team also. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a few sponsors, All-Star Sports, Axe Bat, Driveline Baseball, um, they came out and and uh, you know we donated all the gear and and gave them jerseys and so we uh, made sure that they were able to have a successful season this year because it was uh, pretty incredible. You know these kids were talking about the the day that the fires hit and and uh, it was just it was surreal. It was kind of an out of body experience when when I went up there and, and talked to the kids because it's I mean it's an absolute devastation. It's devastation. What did you personally see? Uh, I, went, I went throughout the city in a fire truck, and uh, there's not much of the city left. There's probably, I would say out of 10 houses, nine of them are burnt down. It was kind of crazy. It was like, you know, there's nine homes burned down. There's one perfect one. So they had the lawn. It's been untouched. And then three or four houses burned down, and there's one that was perfect untouched. Mm. And uh, it was just How do they explain that? Uh, I think it was some of the brush because there's a lot of trees, obviously, nearby. Wow so uh some of the 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 people there they were cleaning up their brush i guess earlier the week so it didn't completely or they had trees that were just far enough away obviously the fire got super close okay but it just didn't carry on over into their home so i mean the firemen they were they were taking me around the city and and uh you know they were they were stopping by areas that were landmarks the the local chocolate place that uh they stop in every monday and support them and that place was gone, and then the local deli place that that place was gone. Uh, local tire shop that was gone. So it was uh, it was really sad to see, and, and uh, they're rebuilding now, and they've got a lot of help from from people throughout the country.
2: And your family's in California. How did they fare? Was everything okay back in Uvas City, or?
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything was okay in my hometown. They just advised us not to go outside for like three or four days. But um, you know, it always seems like you. You know, one of your friends knows somebody, and they know somebody, and it was just uh, – it was crazy. It was just – it was something out of a movie or, you know, just a terrible dream, so – but
1: it was actual reality. Max, you've told the story uh, quite a few times, and but it's a, a story that's fun to, to listen to when, when people talk about your family and how many baseball players have come out of that family, and not just baseball, softball too, but kind of go through the lineage of – all who's involved in your family that have played professional baseball or, or played a long time in baseball.
3: Yeah, there's been uh, quite a few baseball players in my family. Starts with, starts so with your brother. Okay. Yeah, my older brother Brock. He plays with the Giants right now. Signed a minor league deal there. My younger brother Jake. He played at uh, Long Beach State and Sacramento State. Uh, my dad. He played at University of Vallecano. He's in the Hall of Fame there. And then he played with the Giants in the minor leagues. My grandpa played in the minor leagues. Uh, I'm not sure with what team affiliate. And then my my great great grandpa played also professional baseball. And then my great great uncle uh, played with Babe Ruth back in uh, I think it was the
1: 30s. Merle Hoge played uh, 14 years, 14 yeah. years in the big leagues. And the the funniest story about Merle Hoge was the confrontation he had with Babe in the showers. Yeah. Remember you telling me about that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Tell yeah. me what happened there and what transpired. Yeah,
3: so it was a day game. Obviously, they didn't they didn't play night games back in back in the '30s. Right. So uh, Merle he was playing right. I think it was Gehrig in center, and then Ruth was in left or something like that. I, my my grandpa told me the story many times when He's I was in younger. the outfield with Garrigan. yeah and yeah yeah. So so Merle's playing right. Uh, it's a tie game. Guys going uh, ground ball to the right side. I think it was one or two outs. Guys going for third. Uh, Merle comes up throwing. Air Mills, third base. Air Mills, is a cutoff man. Air Mills, third baseman, goes in the seats. Guy scores. So Ruth's giving him some heck during uh, during in between innings, and then after the game, he, he kept chirping him, and then uh, he had enough. So when they're in the showers, he decked Babe Ruth. And then from then on, I guess Merle was kind of his right hand man. Every time they would go out, because he respected
1: him. Nobody ever stood up to him, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. So he decked him, and then, uh, yeah so babe he uh he respect him from there on out and and uh every time like you know the baby liked to have a good time, smoke cigars, go out and drink, and you know obviously hot dogs, yeah. so uh every time he'd go out he'd he be his his driver
1: so that's right. all told through my grandpa too yeah. which is pretty legitimate it's good enough. That, yeah yeah now what was it your mom or your grandma who also played some baseball or softball
3: oh my uh my mom she didn't play she was a cheerleader, and okay. then uh it was my, my nana, yeah, my dad's mom. She, uh, she played softball. So, yeah, it's uh, baseball and softball. and We played all kinds of sports, but right. baseball was pretty much the main focus. Lauren, yeah, did you play softball?
2: I did play softball. You did? I played really? my whole life. My dad coached me my whole life. Um, I played until I was about 17 Aren't all those over the, the, the country. are the best memories? Wow. So much fun. Played year-round. I had the worst Tan lines because you know the girls wear their spandex shorts and their tall socks, so I never had a normal summer. <laughs> um, played all over the country with some girls that went on to play D1 in college, and uh, wow, yeah, I uh, I loved basketball, basketball was my sport, but I stopped growing in sixth grade, so gave that up and stuck to softball. And yeah,
1: tell me about know. what it's like to come to this ballpark spring training facility. If the folks haven't come out to this, it's one of the state of art facilities that uh. I've ever seen, but I'm sure you guys appreciate it even more. I, I've never even seen y'all's weight room. I'm sure it's great. Yeah, it's amazing. This has got to be the top facility in all of baseball. Uh, to
3: show up to this place every day is something special. Uh, Kissimmee was a little bit different. Uh, obviously, here there's a little more action going on. You know, outside the stadium, and you know, sharing it with the Nationals. Obviously, a lot more people are going to come out. But uh, the the Astro fans that come here is is awesome. It's uh, it's. It's great to see everyone, and, and uh, you know the facility, state of the art, is it's special. You know the weight rooms, immaculate, uh, the locker rooms, awesome uh, fields. We have that turf field right outside the the weight room. You know the the cages, both sides. It was just so well done.
2: Do you love pulling up with that big star age that everyone takes a photo? Oh, of that with was perfect. World champions underneath the bottom. How cool is that?
3: Oh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's cool to roll. I was thinking about that this morning. It's funny you said that because I was looking over. I saw the Nationals. There was, theirs was lit up and ours was lit up too. You know, obviously we got the World Series champion underneath ours, but and every day you roll in, there's people <laughs> yeah. out there taking oh, yeah. pictures. Yeah, I mean, Lauren's posting it every other day, so yeah. okay, I see it all the time.
2: Okay, Max. No, I'm not. Maybe my last two <laughs> posts, but it's beautiful, right? You have to. All <laughs> right, I, I want
1: to <laughs> mention something. This is the Shriners Hospital for Children College Classic. Uh, they return to Minute Maid Park March 1st through the 3rd for the 2019 Shriners Hospital for Children College Classic. It's a great tournament, uh, maybe as good as it gets outside of the uh, College World Series. Three-day tournament will feature six Texas programs. It's U of H, Baylor, Rice, TCU, Texas A&M, and Texas State. For more information and tickets, visit astros.com collegeclassic college Max, you didn't go to college.
3: No, I didn't. I was committed to go you to UCLA. And, and, uh, you feel like I you missed anything? No, not really. I mean, one, one, I went down to just freshman a, orientation. Just an education, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's overrated, right? But uh, I'm getting a pretty good baseball education here. It's still going. But I uh, went down to freshman orientation at UCLA, and they asked me what classes I wanted to take, and I pretty much said, uh, the easiest ones you got. And then that's when I realized uh, I think I'd kind of be wasting my time here. I would just be having a lot of fun and, and playing baseball. May have been uh, teammates with Garrett Cole. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been his sophomore year. I would have been a freshman, and, and uh, yeah, I would have been teammates with him for two years. And Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, yep, yep. Those are some pretty good teams. Yeah, they had Rob Rasmussen. He made the big leagues, too. So all three, uh, all three starters that they had, I think, the, the, those next two years were uh, Major League pitchers. When Oakland drafted you out of high school, was it a no-brainer for you to sign It really wasn't a no-brainer. It was a tough decision. Obviously, you know, getting education and and, uh, as much as I bashed it earlier, it's really important. Um, uh, Playing in the Pac-10 at the time, um, the experience. My brother went to college, had a blast. My dad went to college, had a blast playing ball. But uh, I just felt like for me it it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. Uh, Like I said, baseball is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Uh, I enjoy the grind of it. I enjoy the, the successes, the failures, and just everything about it. So it, uh, looking back, it, I definitely made the right choice for me, and
1: uh, I'm, I'm excited for where I'm at. When you look back it maybe in 15 years and you look back to some of your minor league days, although the, t- the travel is brutal, and the money's not good, and all that stuff. you think you'll have fond memories of those days in the miners and your buddies, and all the stories you could probably tell?
3: Absolutely. I think that it kind of gets overhyped—the the bad travel and and all of that. It, you know, people make it sound like you know they're doing it by themselves, and oh, you had to ride a bus here, but you're doing it with 24 other guys that are like your brothers. And, yeah. And uh, you're all going through the same grind together. You're trying to chase a dream. Um, it's, it was you so much fun. I had wouldn't a wouldn't rather be anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly. You're exactly where you want to be. Exactly. You have just, yeah, 24 other brothers, and, and you're, like I said, you're chasing a dream together,
1: and, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's Max Dassey. This is the official off-season hot stove show of the Houston Astros. It's presented by Carbock Brewing Company. We're live from Duffy's Sports Grill downtown West Palm. You can join the conversation by using the hashtag astro line on social media or by posting your comments on facebook live we'll be right back with lauren blackwell max stassi i'm steve sparks this is the
4: houston astros radio network the off season is here and that means it's the perfect time for talking baseball over a great beer
0: conversations with agents with players and other teams
4: so pop open a love street blonde or Hopadillo ipa and discuss all of the hot stove wheeling and dealing
0: astro line
1: astro line presented by carbox brewing company that's certainly what we want to hear
4: and if you're looking for a great place for a cold one Head on over to Carbock Brewing, where we're open seven days a week for lunch, dinner, and, of course, some great brews. It's a crack one open, but cold locally brewed Carbock. Carbock Brewing, proud supporter of the Houston Astros.
5: With plenty of player interaction and warm weather, spring training is something every baseball fan needs to experience. So, see you later! to West Palm Beach and see your Houston Astros in action at the 15 Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. While you're here, don't miss our 20 craft breweries and 47 miles of beautiful beaches. Start planning your trip at thepalmbeaches.com for the best way to experience Florida.
0: 2-2. And Stassi drives this pretty deep to center field. Maven is going back. Still going back at the wall. He leaps and that's gone! a three-run home run for max Stasi. and the astros now lead it eight to two stassi goes deep for the eighth time this year
1: well now everybody has a base hit stassi took care of that with one big swing all he's trying to do is get the ball in the air get the run in from third base and send it out of here a long way to center field and that's all max stassi was trying to do just get the runner in and he just hit it out of the ballpark that was in seattle on August 1st, I'm Steve Sparks. We're with Lauren Blackwell, co-hosting, and Max Stassi, the Astros catcher, joining us today. Something about the left coast kind of brings out the best in you. you feel like that's the case?
3: Yeah, I don't know what it is.
1: I wish it wasn't, but I, I, I got There's one in New York. Wrong with that That's yeah. your division. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I like, I like the West Coast, you know, growing up there. and. And uh, traveling to some of those cities as a kid, it's always, uh, it's always good to go home.
1: And the climate's what you're used to, you gotta love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Absolutely, so uh, I'm a West Coast guy though. Let's talk about some guys in camp right now because you've, you've been catching a lot of pitchers. You guys got here before everybody else did. Who's, who's kind of surprised you? And who, who are you gonna be interested to see how they do this season, whether they start in the minor leagues or not? Uh, surprised. I would say Corbin Martin. You know, I've I've
3: heard a lot about him. Uh, I've I've, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot with with him. The, you know, the hype that he has, uh, the types of pitches—fastball, uh, slider, change—and I uh, actually caught him today for the first time, and I was really impressed. You know, he's got a bright future, and and uh, actually, it was I think three mornings ago. I was sitting having breakfast with Force Whitley. J.B. Bukakis, I think I said that right. Bukakis. Bukakis. Yep. And uh, and Corbin. So I was, it was us four sitting there. And cool. I was looking at them and told them all, I was like, you guys are gonna be really rich one day. <laughs> yeah. Cause all three of those guys. Have you caught all three of them? Yeah, now? yeah. 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 They've got outstanding stuff, and and uh, you know they're gonna be a big part of this future.
1: What yeah. makes Forrest Whitley the the highest regarded pitcher in the minor leagues?
3: I would say it's just his his well-roundedness of all his stuff. You know, he's got he's got plus stuff across the board. It's not like he has you know this one pitch and he's struggling with you know a slider, or curveball. I mean, this guy's got five plus pitches and you know the the mindset, the the willingness to get better. Um, he's incredibly smart. I don't even is he 21 yet? He might be 20. 22. I believe is he 22? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I've always heard so much about how young he is and and. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit for him. You know, I think he's going to be something special.
2: Max, we've got some questions coming in on Twitter for you. People are using the hashtag AstroLine. Steve back in Houston wants to know, do you feel that being a catcher helps you as a hitter at all?
3: Uh, I would say it actually hurts you as a hitter because you kind of overthink things because of sequences and knowing what you would do and thinking that, you know, they're going to go here in this location and throw this pitch and uh, it doesn't happen, you know, like, like how you would, you would want it planned out. So I just try to keep it simple. I almost try to dumb myself down when I'm at the plate and then uh,
1: really turn my brain on when I'm, when I'm behind the plate. You know, with everybody trying to hit the ball in the air more, do you feel like you're more susceptible to a high pitch because of that?
3: I would say, yeah, there's – across the board, I would say there's more low-ball hitters than high-ball hitters. Right. So – you know, pitching obviously with the amount of strikeouts that these guys are, are doing, they're setting you know records. Obviously, like with last year being more strikeouts than hits for the first year in a long time, um, the pitching I feel like was was far ahead, but I feel like the hitting is starting to catch up now with all the data that they're collecting and, and uh, helping out the hitters. So, uh, what yeah, kind
1: of what kind of data are the hitters collecting to help them right now?
3: just like knowing the types of pitches and what they actually do. Instead of saying, okay, this guy throws 95 and it's straight, uh, it has the appearance of rising. Uh, so we call that hop over here. Yeah. So if he's throwing, you know, with 24 inches of hop, you know that you're going to have to swing like one or two balls above what you actually, your, so your you're eyes actually, actually see. So you're
1: actually like, so when you see the ball come in and you know a guy's got hop, you're swinging over the ball?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's coming in at 95, 96, but that's the the mindset that you want to have wow. because, you know, obviously your eyes see it, but they can't physically see what the ball is doing because it's coming in so fast. Because
1: it deviates from the standard too, exactly, right?
3: Exactly, exactly. Like back when you played, those guys that threw, you know, 88, and they threw balls right down the middle, and guys are like, oh, I can't hit this guy. And You know, now they're starting to realize what those pitches do and try to, like, set up your game plan and your mindset. Of uh, how to have success off those
1: guys. How hard is it to frame a high pitch as a catcher? Uh, I
3: wouldn't say it's too hard. Uh, I it, think it's all just about beating the ball to the spot. You kind of know like each pitcher misses. That's the big thing is is where you're set up and you kind of visualize what the pitch is going to do. You always kind of set up for like the toughest pitch that that specific pitch is going to do. So you kind of cheat towards certain areas to beat it to the spot.
1: With your Put body or your lean? Glove. Glove. Okay, Everything glove. comes off the glove. Okay. Yeah.
3: So it's uh, it's not too tough, though, I would say. I mean, they, the staff I got is, I mean, these guys are incredible. Like I said, the best staff in baseball. And, and uh, these guys know what they're doing. So their misses aren't as big as some some other teams. And, and uh, they do a great job and make my job easier
2: who are some of the catchers that you kind of emulated or watched growing up or even now in the majors who do you kind of keep an eye on and
3: i would say buster posey uh growing up in northern california obviously they would always be on tv and and uh just watching you know what he does behind the plate uh you know he's the leader out there he he's an offensive defensive he's an all everything type catcher so he uh He's a he's one of the elite catchers in the game. He's been around a while, and, and uh, it's not an easy job. So to, to to see him, you know, work back there and how easy he makes it look is it's pretty special.
1: What's it been like so far this spring with uh, two new hitting coaches?
3: Oh, it's been awesome. You know, they're, they're guys that have been in the organization. You know, Troy Snicker and, and Alex Cintron. Um, I think that they're going to be very well. They kind of feed off each other, and uh, you know, they they they've been around you know snicker he's he's spent some time in this organization his dad's been a professional baseball for for a long time and you know he's he's the manager of the, the Atlanta Braves and and uh Cintron he's got you know nine years as a player and uh this is going on his third year as a coach so he's familiar with the guys and knows knows their tendencies and and uh excited to work with them both
1: how do you like to be coached do you like to see things or can you hear things and put them into play
3: I like to see it. I'm more of a visual guy. Yeah. I like to, to see it like on video and, and stuff like that versus like somebody telling me what to do. I don't I don't really respond as, as well to that.
1: Favorite cities in the league? I would imagine the the cities in your division are a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of clean cities, a lot of good food, a lot of good culture. What's your favorite city and what's kind of a routine you might have? Do you like to get up and have coffee and – get moving pretty early
3: yeah so towards the tail end of last year Bregman started joining me for breakfast I'm a big breakfast guy for those who follow me on Instagram I, I post a lot of breakfast posts um love to get up I, I mean not super early I'm usually I, I wake up about in between 10 to 11 11 if I'm pretty tired try to get my sleep and then uh city wise I mean Seattle obviously is a, is a amazing city uh, Toronto's beautiful yep uh, Boston's great. I, I like going to Oakland. We stay in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, you know, that home feeling. Um, it's, I mean, you can't really go wrong with any city. In Are the you Biggles. a coffee guy too? I love coffee, yeah, yeah. I usually go about two cups in the morning, talk shop, do whatever, whoever wants to roll with me. Tuve came a few times. We went out there in, in uh, Tampa Bay. came with us in Tampa Bay and then another city. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's Kind of like to have you know a little little breakfast group and just you know enjoy the morning.
2: What's your go-to breakfast? Because you do post every breakfast that you eat every day, and there are always these huge, robust meals.
3: Yeah, yeah. So my uh, my go-to breakfast order is a four-egg scramble. I get bacon or sausage. I go spinach, onions, peppers, light cheese sometimes, and uh, avocado on top on top of that, and then one pancake on the side. Nice. Every place I go because I want sweet, something sweet you know, at the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always finish with the pancake, obviously, with, like, the dessert. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Cole was getting on me for eating too many pancakes, but, you know, I've <laughs> cut back a little bit. But I think I'm going to fire them up again soon.
2: Do you have a favorite place in Houston you like to go to get a big I cupcake? go to
3: Snooze. Snooze. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Snooze is my go-to. Uh, they're amazing over there. Andrea, she takes care of us. She's amazing. <laughs> And uh, their eggs and pancakes are phenomenal.
1: There's a good place here, too. I saw you a couple times last spring. That place uh, yeah, yeah. in the back of that strip center has a good breakfast.
3: That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think it was before a night game. Yeah.
1: So how much coffee before a game? So you have a couple of cups in the morning. you like to drink coffee later on, too? Yeah,
3: I usually go one to two. Usually when I show up, I don't usually drink too much caffeine, like before I'm, I'm going on the field. But yeah. And if I'm not playing that day, I either go – I'll, I'll probably go one when I get there, one after BP, and then maybe one during the game. So oh, yeah. I like coffee.
1: This team loves coffee.
3: Yeah, yeah. we got some, some coffee uh, connoisseurs out
1: there. A lot there. of espresso too, right? Yeah, espresso, definitely. Lord, what do you got?
2: Well, you mentioned some of your favorite cities that you like to go back to. Steve from Houston also wants to know, he had a bonus question for you. What's your favorite park? To play in, you know, you play well on the West Coast, but what's your favorite park that you just walk in and kind of get extra excited to play?
3: I would say Boston. You know, Boston's incredible. That atmosphere, there's, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's, they're right on you. They're right on you. They're passionate. They're in on every pitch. Uh, it's a special place. But also like New York. You know, going to New York was a lot of fun too. You know, the big city. You know, it's right there in the Bronx. Um, their fans are. are crazy too so it's it's always fun going in there and and, uh going to battle with those guys
1: and now in, in the last three years it seems like you guys boston and new york are the class of the league right now you can probably throw cleveland in there too but between those four teams right now it looks like you guys are sitting in a different tier than a lot of other teams so it makes makes it a lot easier to get up for those games doesn't it
3: Definitely, yeah, yeah. We 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 try not to focus on that. Obviously, we're we're trying to win every single game we go out there, but there is kind of that extra edge. I I feel like the the teams that you've played in the postseason yeah. and, and uh, have a lot of hype around them, and you know they made these big moves and blah blah blah. You hear all the hype, and, and uh, we want to go out there and show that you know we're the best team in baseball.
1: Max, before you go, uh, I I gotta ask you about Brent Strom, the Astros pitching coach. He was named the the Major League Coach of the Year last year uh, just pours his heart out into his pitchers and catchers. Uh, just a little anecdote about Brent Strom, if you don't mind.
3: He loves pitching. You know, talk about a phenomenal human being. Right. Um, Stromy is he's a, he's a special guy, um, 24-7 pitching. His knowledge is unbelievable. Uh, I've never met somebody that that knows the amount of information about pitching or Kind of in baseball in general that, that he does his ability to translate the scouting reports to me, um, in game adjustments, uh, his, the mechanical adjustments. I mean, you name it, he's on top of it, and he's uh, he's very well deserving of that award, and it, and it couldn't happen to a better guy.
1: And to be seventy years old and still have that thirst to learn oh. is that's what amazes me more than anything.
3: Yeah, he's got such an open mindset, and yeah, uh, yeah his willingness to you know get the new information and and listen to all the, the new stuff that's coming around and, and uh, filter in what he likes and what he doesn't like and, and uh, applies it to his guys. and Obviously, his, his his guys have done pretty well.
1: Yeah. Well, Max, we, we want to thank you uh, for coming on with us. It's great catching up with you, as always, but we know you need to get to bed so you can get up early for that big breakfast.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> I'll fire one off tomorrow.
1: All right, you're listening to Astroline, the official off-season show for the Houston Astros. It's presented by Carbock Brewing Company. We'll be right back one final time. From Duffy's Sports Grill, downtown
4: West Palm Beach, Florida, this is the Astros Radio Network. The offseason is here, and that means it's the perfect time for talking baseball over a great beer.
0: Conversations with agents, with players, and other teams.
4: So pop open a Love Street Blonde or Hopadillo IPA and discuss all of the hot stove wheeling and dealing.
1: Astro Line. Astro Line presented by Carbock Brewing Company. That's certainly what we want to hear. And
4: if you're looking for a great place for a cold one, head on over to Carbock Brewing, where we're open seven days a week for lunch, Dinner, and of course, some great brews. So, crack one
1: open, but cold, locally brewed
4: Carbach. Carbach Brewing, proud supporter of the Houston Astros.
5: With plenty of player interaction and warm weather, spring training is something every baseball fan needs to experience. So, see you later to West Palm Beach and see your Houston Astros in action at the 15 ballpark of the Palm Beaches. While you're here, don't miss our 20 craft breweries and 47 miles of beautiful beaches. Start planning your trip at thepalmbeaches.com for the best way to experience Florida.
1: What a ballpark it is, Lauren. This is one of the best things about spring training for the Astros these days. You come to a beautiful city like West Palm Beach, the entire area, is kind of rabid about baseball this time of year.
2: It's so much fun coming down here every year. Now our third season here. and The the facility is just absolutely beautiful. I mean, from the moment you turn off of Haverhill into that drive and you see the palm trees and, you know, the the ponds on the side. It kind of calms you, doesn't it? It's calming, it's beautiful, (laughs) it's brand new, and it's everything that these guys deserve.
1: You know what's cool for a, a young player is that the first two or three weeks of spring training, it's not so much about the stress as it is a little bit later on obviously for the star players they don't have a whole lot of stress during spring training at all but the majority of players do Mm -hmm. and it starts about the third week of spring training maybe the second week of games or first week of games because cuts are going to be coming along and guys aren't guaranteed contracts but It's weird how that works. In the same clubhouse, Mm -hmm. some guys feel different things.
2: Well, we were watching that earlier today, and we know how wonderful George Springer is, and he was joking around with Tony Kemp and pulling him and said, I feel like I'm on a dog sled. And uh, then you see some of the younger guys who are just taking every every movement, every stretch, every sprint as seriously as they possibly can. So it's really cool to watch. You know, some of these younger guys yeah. um, trying so hard and, and making their presence known at camp.
1: Well, if you're listening out there, I'm with Lauren Blackwell, and she's the host for Ballpark Entertainment. So you see her out at Minute Maid Park all the time. Uh, and you're with a lot of the kids out there uh, that are doing yeah. the, the the base running and things like that. But yeah. uh, the Astros do so well in that department, don't they? They
2: really do. The Buddies Club is one of the biggest and best in the league. Um, You know, these kids that come out, they get to do so many cool things, autograph sessions. They get to take part in, you know, steal the base, or they get to run the bases uh, after Sunday's games. And um, it's so much fun. I love all those kids. They're so fun to be around. Mm -hmm. A majority of my job in-game is interacting with those kids. And everywhere you go in that ballpark, you see these Buddies backpacks. So 2019 Buddies memberships are on sale now. It's the official Astros Kids Club presented by BBVA Compass. Those are on sale for $30. Um, They get... Uh, tickets to select games, premium items, exclusive opportunities, so much more. Lots of cool stuff. So you can get those memberships at astros.com slash buddies.
1: Lauren, I would imagine that there's been a lot of little girls in the last <laughs> few years that have gone to Minute Maid Park mm-hmm. and have wanted to be Lauren Blackwell or Julia Morales. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, they just those jobs just seem I so... I want to be Julia
2: Morales. She's yeah, the greatest.
1: They're awesome. Phenomenal. And, and we know her to, to be a very hard worker. Absolutely. And, and and all those things, which makes it even better. But uh, how did you get into this?
2: Yeah, so I actually graduated from Oklahoma State University back in 2010. I was a sports broadcast major. Go Pokes. Um, And, you know, I I bounced all over this country. And Julia will tell you the same thing. It's a grind. Uh When you're a female in the sports industry, it's a grind. Um, Some girls think you can just talk in front of a camera, and that's it. You're a sideline reporter. Um, I actually worked as a production assistant in Bristol connecticut at espn for a year i worked on baseball tonight sports center friday night fights x games so i was really versatile up there um and then you know what i said i'm gonna i'm gonna do this and i moved to san angelo texas smallest market in the country or second to last um, second
1: smallest in the country one of the
2: one of the smallest markets and i was the morning news anchor so i got up at three o'clock every morning did a live two-hour newscast. 30
1: people watching the show, including No, dad. San
2: Angelo. <laughs> My dad, he couldn't <laughs> stream it. Um, I wish he could have, but he, he saw a lot of stuff from there. And um, There's 100,000 people in okay. San Angelo, actually. Um, from there, I moved to Burlington, Vermont, did evenings there, um, moved back to Oklahoma, worked in the athletic department there, did some freelance stuff for Fox. Um, and then my heart brought me to Houston and I'm heading into my fifth season.
1: what did you learn about yourself when when you're going through some of those small towns? And I'm sure there was some low moments, but what did that tell you about yourself?
2: You know, low moments, you, you know, Julia, again, will tell you the same thing. You're eating ramen sometimes because Uh you're in these tiny, tiny markets. And I really learned how, um, how strong I was as a person, a lot of ups and downs and, uh, you know, working in a small market. I was even doing the weather sometimes, um, so you know, I was doing. I'm not a weather girl, but I had to go out and shoot my packages or do the weather, and I really learned that you can do it all if you really work hard enough and give it your all.
1: And your affinity for sports came from
2: my dad. Yeah. Um, my dad, you know, growing up, it was baseball games and hockey games with my papa and my cousins. Um, I have a bunch of cousins on my dad's side, um, but two that were really close to my age, Jason and Brad, and we were like the three musketeers. So papa was always taking us to hockey games and baseball games.
1: Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, that's Lauren Blackwell, just a little uh, thumbnail sketch of what she does and <laughs> where she's been. So it's always a pleasure to be around. I want to thank uh, Bob Elliott back in the studio, keeping things going as the engineer as well as Matt bolts here. Uh, it's great time to be an Astros fan. It's great time to be in Florida right now. For Lauren Blackwell, Max Sassy joining us earlier. I'm Steve Sparks. We'll see you on the Astro Line next time.
0: Astro Line. You've been listening to Sports Talk 790 Astroline, the Astros' official off-season show, presented by Carbot Brewing Company. Astroline on Sports Talk 790, home of the Astros.